Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, with Jaguar's senior writer, John Osher. All right, welcome into the Ozone Podcast from the 2023 NFL Annual Meeting. And we are joined today by, you know, every Jaguars fan knows him, not every Jaguars fan loves him, but he's here with us today. Uh, Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, first of all, thank you for joining us. What do you mean they don't love me? What are you talking about? Let's let them know you. <laughs> you listened to Doug Peterson yesterday. Yes. That's sort of our lead off today. Uh, impressions? I think he's content with what he has, yeah, and he has to be. Like I mean, look, and I know the city isn't real thrilled about what they've done in the offseason, but you've got to take into account growth. And players are going to be better. Young players are going to be better. Trevor Lawrence is going to be better. Travis Etienne is going to be better. Uh, the center is going to be better. Fortner is going to be a much stronger kid. And on the defensive side of the ball, you had a lot, you know, Lloyd's going to be better, Walker. So you've got to take into account growth mm-hmm. when you're talking about where the team's going to go. And I know people want names, and, and you'd like to get this guy and that guy. But, look, they, they've done that. It worked last year. They got to the postseason. And now you've got to start keeping your guys and making sure they get better. There's a lack of familiarity with that, too, I think, among Jaguars fans. For years, they've had to take the approach of chaotic free agency, go spend, because they didn't have a core that could grow. So now it, feel, it feels off. But they've never, obviously never had, maybe since the 90s, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, guys who, you know, to me, everything about this team's ability to go from nine wins to a 12, 13-win team, it's obviously about the quarterback, but it's about that continuity. Um, I've been hitting on it all offseason, so I'll let you. How much can a team grow? Doug Peterson's talked about it a lot, but that growth year two, year three, or year one, year two in an offense, what can that mean? Have you seen an example of it in recent fans can sort of latch on to? When you go from in year one, for example, if you're a rookie, you go to the combine, you do your stuff, you get ready for the combine. You're not really focusing on getting your body. You're getting combine body ready, your arm ready if it's a Trevor situation. Then you get in there, your head spinning, you're learning a new offense, your head spinning, install, install, install. You get to camp, and now you got live bullets, and it's still spinning. And so you get to the season, and, and it, God bless him, but he had to deal with the, the embarrassment that was Urban Meyer, and that was a disaster for him. And so now you flush that out, you're learning a whole new system, and you get a head coach in Doug Peterson who's great for the quarterback, and he, now you play through the whole season, and it took you a while to get up to where you should be, mm-hmm. and you saw it throughout the second half of the season. Now you come into the offseason, you know the offense, you know your head coach, you know your receivers, and all of a sudden you go, oh, this is the way it's supposed right. to be. And that's where Trevor Lawrence is. And by the way, continuity, we look at the Chiefs because they've been one of, the, one of those teams that's around, stay around teams. Why? The core guys. It starts with them. As long as you have the quarterback, that's the first and foremost. But right. you have Kelsey, you have Chris Jones. You don't need a ton of core guys. You just need some. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback will make sure you are around for a long time, particularly in Jacksonville. How much, uh, I thought Doug's money quote, and it wasn't, you know, one you put out on Twitter. It wasn't a headline grabber. But he said, but having through his availability, we won't be installing the offense and defense. We're starting at a base, and, and we're just basically taking what worked and growing from there. That, to me, said everything. It's, it's so much better for the players. I mean, 
All you got to do, and, and I do think they're going to tweak defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they haven't come out and quite said that yet, but I think there's going to be some tweaks on defense. They're hinting at it. They haven't said it, but you hear rumblings like maybe they're going to do some different things on defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe Trayvon Walker's going to play more with his hand on the ground. I mean, that's provided you got to find somebody who can rush the passer, uh, but maybe they play you know, more of a conventional 4-3 in some situations. So I think it's going to, it's going to change a little bit. Now, how that changes, who knows? There's, I think they're still trying to figure it out. But for a guy like Devin Lloyd, and this was told to me, but he came out of college, they didn't have motion and pre-snap right, and all this stuff. And he, so he gets to the NFL. He misses most of camp, right, with the right. hamstring injury. Gets into the games, and all of a sudden his head's spinning. And you can see it on tape. Every, every, almost every play, Aluakon's telling him where right. to line up. So he hurt Aluakon because he wasn't focused on what he was doing to get him lined up. Right. Now he's going to understand what he should be doing better. That's important. That's growth. Somebody explained to me this way with Devin Lloyd and to a degree with Chad Muma that there was maybe a, a half step of hesitation because of what you're talking about. That flash of recognition, play starts takes you just that long and then you but you're a step behind the whole play correct the difference in seeing it immediately and being a step behind for those two guys can mean everything and I assume Trevor and Walker are a little different but a little bit the same that recognition that they will see they won't have to think as much next well year. the linebackers it's it's see go see go and those guys were see think go right and when you see think go you don't get there right. and they miss tackles that way and they had a lot of i mean i'll give you a perfect example a guy who showed the growth we're talking about throughout the season last year andre Sisco. right early season eh, there were questions about him i mean let's be real they thought he'd come in be a big time playmaker there were questions about him as the season went on you could see him starting to get more confident mm-hmm. in what he was doing and playing smarter and faster and that's what you're going to get from a lot of these second year players this year how much can this help uh, Josh Allen, Trayvon, I think the whole defensive front? It seemed to me in the last five, six games for this team, they still weren't a great pass-rushing team, but there was better significant pressure at times. Quarterbacks didn't feel as comfortable. My theory is that came because all of a sudden they're in more, they're in more games, they have more leads, uh, and the defense is playing in more passing situations. How real is that, and how much do you think that could help them? Because their, their turnovers went way up in those last five or six games, too, because the offense was playing well. Yeah, when you play with a lead, it's a lot easier to rush the passer. I mean, that's, that's the simple, simple formula for any good team. But it's often forgotten. Right. You, know, you know that intrinsically, and then people come out and criticize a pass rush that happened to play with all yeah. trailing the previous. And, and you're right, the pass rush got better. What they don't and didn't do and still don't do, and they need to figure it out, is – Game on the line, my edge guy is going to get there and win the game for right. me. Sack, fumble, game over. That has to happen. And so, we, you know, we look at Trayvon Walker, that's not who he is. You look at Josh Allen, that's not who he is. They're good players. Don't get me wrong. They're both good football players. But where's the dynamic edge guy? And somehow, some way, they got to figure out to either make one of those guys become that dynamic edge guy or – Find one in this draft and put him on the field and move Trayvon Walker down and let him play inside. Because Trayvon Walker it. could be a monster with his hand on the ground rushing the passer, I think. And at some point, you have to play him where he can be a monster. Yeah. Right. Just because you drafted him first overall doesn't mean you got to play him where you think you need to play him. And, and you saw it late in the season. When he put his hand on the ground, he was a better player. Mm-hmm. If you put the tape on and you watch the plays, he was much better doing that. He looked more comfortable. It, don't, he's a good player. But 
every move on the outside, he runs right into the smack dab in the middle of the offensive tackle. There's no hands. There's no feet. There's no explosiveness up the field. But he's a great athlete. So why not take his great athletic ability and power and put him down? If he became Calais Campbell, would they be okay with that? Well, I made the case all along. It, if he's Calais, if Arizona had drafted Calais Campbell number one overall in his draft, right, would it be looked at as a good draft pick? Right, of it, course. I think be looked at as a great, a great draft, draft pick. pick. So, I mean, I, I think Trayvon Walker could be an all-pro down defensive lineman. I really do. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-pro pass rusher. You talk to more people around the league than we do. Uh, do you get any vibe or any sense of? Uh, how much this, how much the league believes this offense will be helped by Calvin Ridley? A lot. A, a vibe a lot, on that? A lot. And in fact, when you, when you talk to people around the league, you look at why they did that and how they did it. That's what it, I'm going to give him credit because I've criticized Trump Balky in the past. I'm going to give him credit for that. That's a great move. The free agency class. Nothing available this year. Bad. The draft, not great. So you get a guy like Calvin Ridley. If Calvin Ridley is Calvin Ridley, and I've heard nothing but good reports. Somebody told me he was running 22 and a half miles per hour on the speed thing, which is incredible for a guy who hadn't played football in mm-hmm. two years. And he's a good kid, by the way, in case anybody's thinking differently. He's a great kid. Um, I think he's going to open up Kirk in the middle, and he's going to open up more big plays for Zay Jones down the field. So you add that all up. This offense can be dynamic. I'm talking about with a, he was a number one receiver the last year in Atlanta. Right. He was that guy. So if you have a number one receiver and then you have Kirk as the two and Zay as the three and Ingram as the, as the tight end who can catch passes with ETN who can come out of the backfield, that's going to be a special offense. They're going to, it wouldn't shock me to see them push, what, 30, 29? Well, they improved from, I think, 14 to 24 last year or push, push something 30. like that. Push so. 30 this year. And if you push 30, you're talking about a lot of wins. Well, they're going to win a lot of games because, yeah. hey, hey, I'm going to make this prediction already. They're going to win a lot of games. The division's going to be playing a lot of young quarterbacks, no matter who it is. Houston's going to have one. The Colts probably have one. Uh, and the Titans, they have uncertainty at the quarterback position. You go to the NFC South, you play four games against them. You get Derek Carr. You know, he gets a little glazed look at his face all the time. You get <laughs> Baker Mayfield, a rookie in Carolina, and Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. If you don't win – Eight to nine of those games, then something's wrong. So you win eight to nine of those, maybe split the rest of them. You're going to be maybe you might have a two seed, maybe a one seed. You're locking a two seed or a one. <laughs> Don't forget the Chiefs have in their division. They still have the Chargers. Right. League wide, I'm not a big believer in a lot of the things that are being pushed for by uh, you know, or it feels like people are pushing the competition committee to make roughing the passer uh, reviewable. I think, I think that's ridiculous. And it'll be the same thing that uh, pass interference was. But something we talked about before uh, we came on the air, the rugby style play. Uh, you, who are more tied in than I am, are hearing that that's not going to get uh, changed. It's not even talking about it here now. Uh, that's strange to me, Pete. I'm with you. I, I think it needs to be outlawed. I, I think it's a dangerous football play. And we talked about it earlier. <laughs> Back in the day, they outlawed it when they thought football was going bye-bye. The flying wedge back in, in 1903. But here's what I think is interesting about them not outlawing it. I could see them trying to stay away from it if it was a fun, cool play. You follow me? Right. But, but it's a dud play. It's boring. It doesn't add excitement, and it's dangerous. It just seems to me like that would be a huge motivation to get rid of it, because what's the point? Right. And, and Dan Campbell, at his thing, was talking about, they asked him about it, and he said, oh, 
we're fine with it. We're going to figure out a way to stop it. So what's the way to stop it? You're going to get violence in the middle of that pile. Yeah, you're going to throw safeties at the center and try to push them back. It's going to be a violent, nasty. I'm telling you, guys are going to get hurt in there. It's right. just not worth it. It's not worth the hassle of having a player go down with a serious injury, by the way. If you go back and look at scrums in rugby, right. you know, it's, it's, and they don't wear helmets, so it's different. But there's something bad going to happen in there. And I don't want my quarterback doing that all the time either, by the way. Right, and that's where – well – Unfortunately, it sounds like it might take an injury to stop it, and it and it feels sort of unnecessary. Well, just so. like the onside kicks, it took a lot of the injuries, the bad injuries. I mean, how dating back to back, and we, Jacksonville had one of the worst injuries on an onside kick we've ever seen. Right, Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas. Right. It was the most disgusting. We were on the other side of the field at at River Old Riverfront Stadium, and we heard it crack like it was a bat cracking. I mean, it was terrible. And it took 20 years. 20, yeah, it uh, took him forever. Uh, to get that. And I always said, I, in fact, I remember doing a story. Remember I did a story on that was the most violent play in football mm-hmm. was the onside kick. That was way back when I was at the Times Union. And, you know, it's terrible. It's, 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 you got to get this legislated out because I think we're going to have a serious injury involved in it. What's the biggest trend other than what we've talked about that you're following? Meaning, you know, uh, I get Lamar Jackson, I get Aaron Rodgers. Those feel like they're going to uh, play themselves out, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. What's the biggest trend in the league that you're following? What's uh, sort of striking you? Well, I think from a strategic standpoint, last year the big plays were everybody played off, right? right. They played Everybody played cover two or cover three and made you go the length of the field. And it, So how do you counter that? What's the counter? You know what's going to counter? And you've got to run the ball better. Right. And so if you run the ball better, then the big play will come back. Because if you run the ball better, the safety obviously has to come down if you're grinding on them a little bit. Now, I'm a, I'm a pass-first guy. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, if they're going to give you the run, run it. And then they stop the run. Then you chuck them over the top. Then you get the big plays off of that. It's never going to be a run league again. It's not, nobody's going to end up being Tennessee. You don't want to be that. But if you can run it consistently to get that guy down and then you can throw over the top, then that's what you do. Who do the Jaguars draft 24? Final question. I think as much as they'd like to get a pass rusher at some point in a corner, I wouldn't be at all shocked to see him take an offensive lineman. It feels like that's a sweet spot, and it feels like that's an area. To me, I agree with you. It feels like that's an area where you can get value. This year at that spot, build for the future. And and I think if if you're Balky and Peterson, you you can give yourself the example of, hey, did we regret having Walker Little around this past year? No. And that probably saved their season. So And, and it saved them a lot of money, too. Yeah. Now, when you look at it in hindsight, because he's going to be a starting offensive tackle, and you, the guy that you had at right tackle just got $20 million a year, so you didn't have to pay that money. So, yeah, you got to draft for the future. Osiris Torrance. He's your guy, isn't he? From Florida. Might be the best offensive lineman in this draft. He is a massive man. He's, I think he's six foot five, 340 pounds. He's a tough, physical guy. He played right guard at Florida. In the, if he came to the Jaguars, he would be the left guard, and he would be playing next to Cam Robinson. You have a center who's going to be significantly bigger and stronger. Brandon Sheriff's going to be healthy next year, and you're going to have Walker Little, who's going to be bigger and stronger playing right tackle. That's a big physical offensive line. You have that wide receiver in Ridley who's going to be one, Kirk two, Zay three, Ingram, the backs, and Trevor's going to be better. Go ahead and stop that offense. So you're the belief that this team's going all offense, stop us, we'll break some serves on defense and see what happens. That's what I would do. And I, I would try and find some sort of pass rush hybrid in like the second or third round and a corner in the second or third round. So if I took, if I took Torrance 
in the first round. Then I come back and I get myself a, a nice corner who can play more man, by the way. Guy can, is capable of doing that because when they signed Shaq Griffin, he couldn't play any man. We know that. And then, and then get a, a pass rusher where maybe you can move Walker in. And I'll give you an example. The, the Lions drafted a kid, Houston, last year from Jackson State. He went to Florida as an off-the-ball linebacker. Didn't play a lot at Florida. Then he goes to Jackson State, mm-hmm. becomes a little rush guy. They pick him in the sixth round. Well, now they have Hutchinson playing end, and they have him playing strong side linebacker. When they go to the passing downs, they put one on one side and one on the other, and they rush the passer. And so you got to find a guy like that. And, by the way, against the Jaguars, I think he had three sacks in that game, Houston. Sounds like, right. So you got to be able to rush the passer. You have to be able – they have to get a pass rusher at some point in this draft. I don't necessarily think there's going to be one where they pick right there, you know, Will McDonald, Nolan Smith, those kind of guys. I don't right. think that's the kind of guys that are going to make you. So you got to hope you hit him one of those. Robert Mathis, what round did he come in? Uh, fifth. That's what you got to hope you get, one of those guys. You find one. Pete Prisco, I've been talking football with you for years. I could do it all day. I appreciate you joining the Ozone Podcast. We'll talk soon. You got it. <laughs>